Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. This week we're discussing the US presidential election. Behind all the sound and fury and controversy, there is, believe it or not, some serious policy discussion actually going on. And this week Donald Trump gave a major speech on the economy and Hillary Clinton fired back. So to discuss the economic debate, I'm joined on the line from Washington by two of our economic specialists, Sean Donnan and Sam Fleming. Sam, you covered the uh, Trump speech it seemed to me to major particularly on two things, lower taxes and trade barriers. Is that a fair summary, do you think? Those are the two, uh, two of the main points. I mean, this is an attempt by Trump to show he's serious on policy. He's been repeatedly attacked for having uh, very little detail behind his economic platform. And it's a more conservative attempt to appeal to more conservative traditional Republican values on, on many of these policies, with the notable exception of trade, where he's still clearly very protectionist. So on the corporate side, this proposal uh, that the headline rate be cut to 15% from 35%. There's also a call for a radical simplification of the income tax system, which chimed very much with uh, House Republicans' existing desires. It would lead to big cuts in tax rates, including for the rich, although he obviously didn't emphasise that. And then a call for uh, deregulation, an attempt to roll back some of what he perceives to be overregulation that we've seen in the Obama years. So Trump has obviously been a very unconventional candidate, a populist who has left many conservatives and Republicans deeply uneasy. This was an attempt to build some bridges back towards that constituency and prove to them that he can still espouse a more traditional Republican economic platform. Those traditional Republicans, are they convinced? Do you see much sign of big business falling in behind Trump? Because on the other hand, he's left still the protection stuff, which presumably they don't like much. Business groups I spoke to on the day, very cautious, clearly welcoming of the stuff on the business tax rate. No business is going to oppose that. But as you say, on trade, they're very deeply wary and very concerned about what Mr. Trump is proposing. And then the other broader point is really on discipline. And this is a point more for the party elders than for business groups, although it applies to them. Really, they've been looking for some discipline from Trump, a sense that he can stay on message, that he can read from a teleprompter and deliver a clear policy speech without going off-piste. Clearly, any sense that that was the case has immediately dissipated over the past 24 hours with his very controversial comments about the Second Amendment and Hillary Clinton. So I think any sense of comfort coming out of the Detroit speech is uh, evaporating quickly. But Sean, uh, on the other hand, as I understand it, the opinion polls do suggest that the economy is one of the few areas where voters are inclined to rate Donald Trump more highly than Hillary Clinton. Is that correct? That's been the story so far this election year. But what we've actually seen and what's been really interesting is Hillary leads more broadly in national polls right now. But on the economy, she's been closing the gap in the last few weeks. Actually, there was a poll out on Sunday from the Washington Post and the ABC that had her in the lead on the economy. And that's partly the result of the real disconnect in the campaign where Donald Trump has been almost rolling out this daily procession of gaffes and dealing with that. Hillary Clinton has been out there 
since the conventions quite forcefully on a jobs tour, she's called it, through the Rust Belt with Tim Kaine, her vice presidential candidate. And then we'll see from her this week her own economic policy speech in Michigan as well, arguing for jobs. So Donald Trump, it's been a really effective message for him so far this year, but there were signs that Hillary's catching up. It was interesting, though, for me, uh, watching Hillary Clinton's speech at the Democratic Convention, how how left-wing it was, really, compared to the kind of policies that her husband once espoused. There's a passage where she talked about the need for higher taxes on the rich and in a very unapologetic, kind of almost Bernie Sanders-like way. Do you think that she has moved left over the course of this campaign? I think she's moved left, and she moved left throughout the primaries on trade and on issues like taxing the rich, Wall Street regulation, and so on. But there are signs that since the conventions and since she got the Bernie Sanders endorsement that she needed to get there, that she's actually been tacking to the right, and that the message that she is pulling together for the general election is a more centrist message than the one that you would have heard in Philadelphia. The big contrast in the campaigns is between this kind of daily controversies from the Trump side and the message discipline on the Clinton side, and also her daily hammering her way at the economics side of things. Watching the Olympics here in the U.S., there are no signs of any Donald Trump commercials, but there are Hillary Clinton commercials which are hammering him for outsourcing the production of his clothing line, for example, and also hammering him on temperament. Donald Trump, in some ways, it feels like he's still fighting the battle of the primaries, particularly on economics, but that Hillary is doing that thing that that American presidential candidates do and is pivoting more towards the center ahead of the general election. Coming back to Trump, I mean, is there a kind of tension in his message between, on the one hand, the stuff that's very explicitly pitched to the white working class, particularly the protectionist stuff, and the promise of tax cuts and deregulation, which would appeal more to the business element of the Republican Party. Which of those two messages is predominant, do you think? Well, he's trying to do both. And on tax, for instance, there was an appeal to the working class and middle class voters in the form of a bigger write-off of childcare costs, for instance. So he's trying, in a sense, to appeal to both constituencies. The big problem he's up against is that he has won the hearts of many, especially working class, lesser educated Americans with his very protectionist appeal. He needs to extend beyond that constituency now. Almost nothing he could say, he said it himself, nothing he could say or do. He could shoot someone on a street in New York, one of his supporters, and people will carry on supporting him. There's a a real truth to that. They aren't going to be that concerned by some of these gaffes. But he needs to broaden his appeal radically if he's going to actually win a general election. And you see a man who still seems to be fighting uh, with the mentality of a primary. And what he's allowing Hillary to do is, as Sean says, push her own economic message, but also attack him because of outsourcing, because of inconsistencies on that front and allow this to become an election about Donald Trump, about Donald Trump's personalities. His repeated gaffes play into that. The debate is not about Hillary Clinton and her emails, or indeed her economic policies, which is in a sense the real sadness of this. There are real problems in the US economy, and we're not seeing those debated at all. It's about Donald Trump and what he's come up with at the latest rally. And this plays to Hillary Clinton's interest, but you could argue is not in the greater interests of the American public who deserve and ought to have a serious debate about the direction of the US economy. And it's not happening. Sean, I mean, another thing that appears to have happened during the course of the campaign is that free trade has taken a real battering. I think Trump is the first presidential candidate of a major party I can think of who is an avowed protectionist. 
But even Hillary Clinton has come out against uh, something that she initially was one of the main sponsors of, the TPP, the big Pacific Free Trade Pact. What is unique in this election is typically Democratic candidates, because of their ties to the big labor unions in the U.S., tend to have a much more skeptical view of free trade and free trade agreements. And then the consensus is that once they get into office, they tend to be much more pro-free trade than they are in their campaigns. Obama famously in 2008 ran on an anti-free trade platform in part by calling for the renegotiation of NAFTA, which is something we're hearing Donald Trump call for this year. What is really unique this year is that you have a Republican candidate making that same message. The Republican Party is normally the very pro-trade party, the very pro-business party. And it is normally uh, effusive in its praise of trade agreements. And that's really where Donald Trump has upended things. And he's upended things for the TPP. Because President Obama, who's trying to get the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is this deal that covers 40% of the global economy, and President Obama is trying to get it through Congress later this year to ratify it, but he's going to need the support of Republicans to do that. What Donald Trump does and what is potentially so damaging to the TPP is the support that Donald Trump is getting from these white blue-collar workers with this anti-free trade message. And the question is, how many Republicans in Congress are going to take that on board and think that that is actually a political message that they should be exploiting? The TPP is either dead or on life support is the consensus here in Washington. And that is really consequential for the U.S. and its relationship with Asia. But we really aren't going to know for sure what happens until after the election. And a lot of that is going to depend on Donald Trump and how well he does. If Donald Trump is trounced on November 8th, that is not a bad thing for the TPP. And finally, Sam, we talked a lot about the economic debate within the election. But as you said, it's been quite thin and America needs a proper economic debate. What are the current indications for how the US economy is doing? Is Hillary Clinton really campaigning, if she is campaigning as a continuity candidate, is that a viable stance or does America need something new, even if it's not quite what Mr. Trump is offering? Well, she's trying to walk a very thin line between talking up the achievements of Barack Obama and his administration, comparing the inheritance that he received from George W. Bush, which was an economic financial crisis, with the situation now, and in particular, emphasizing the millions of private sector jobs that have been created since Obama took office. But continually saying this is not enough, we can't be complacent, there are people really hurting out there. It's a difficult message to get across, but uh, as I said earlier, Donald Trump is making it a lot easier. In terms of the economic performance of the United States right now, it's difficult to gauge because on the one hand, you have extremely weak uh, output growth, very, very poor GDP growth, uh, talk of trend growth being less than 2% in the US, and at the same time, very, very, very strong job creation. I think it's that job creation which is now starting to be also reflected in wages, which are edging up a little bit more will be of some comfort to the Democrats going into November. If you saw a faltering in the jobs engine, which has really driven this recovery story in the US, and as people thought might be happening in May when numbers did take a real dip, then I think they would be much more concerned about the economic backdrop. But right now, this is an economy which has less than 5% unemployment, clearly quite close to full employment. And while there are big questions about productivity and output in the US and and innovation and big themes like that, 
they can point to a pretty decent recovery in the labour market and some indications, as I said, that incomes are starting to improve as well. So her agenda is very much about issues like infrastructure. That will be one of the top priorities if she comes into office in November and she'll have to work with Congress to get that through. But as I said earlier, right now, the debate really isn't centering on specific policies. It's very much centering on personalities. Well, with that, thank you very much indeed to our two correspondents in Washington, to Sam Fleming and to Sean Donnan. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.